Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 223. And today I want to talk to you about the rapture of the church. And I've been preaching on the rapture at the church where I serve as transitional pastor at the Remnant in Kingsport, Tennessee. As I have spoken about the rapture, a lot of questions have been answered, but people still have questions about the rapture. And so now they're beginning to ask me those questions. So I'm going to try to answer a couple of things that are just preliminary to understanding about the rapture. First of all, the word rapture is mentioned in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, where it says that the Apostle Paul, trying to comfort those who had had loved ones who had died, who had fallen asleep in Jesus, he was trying to comfort them so that they would not sorrow as others who have no hope, no expectancy of the future. And what that simply means is that we're all going to be sorrowful when someone we love, a loved one, someone that we care about has died, has been separated from us physically by death. And we're no longer able to share with them and love them and express our gratitude to them and just walk with them and do life with them. There is sorrow in our heart. But those of us who are children of God, who have loved ones who are followers of Jesus, when they die, we're not to sorrow like that's the end. It's not. But the child of God, it is only a short time and we will be with them again. So we're not to sorrow as others who have no hope. For he said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and of course that's a again a first class conditional sentence, that means that it's assumed to be true. So yes, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we believe also that those who have died in Jesus will God bring with him. Paul said, For this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For there's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel, Michael, And the trumpet of God is going to sound, and the dead in Christ is going to rise first. That is, those whose bodies are in the ground, their spirit and soul, the part you cannot see and I cannot see, that's with the Lord, the immaterial part of man, the spiritual part of man, the soul and the spirit. That's with the Lord. But the body's important, too. And this is why... I do not encourage believers to be cremated. Why? Because that's a that's a desecration of the body. If that would have been the choice way of bearing, then God would have let his own son be his body be taken care of that way, but he didn't. Because God made us body, soul, and spirit, he wants us to take care of the body and cherish it. Why? Because it's the temple presently of the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to do good temple maintenance and take care of it. And so the body's precious, it's sacred. God. He made us in three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And we've got this Greek philosophical idea that the body doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. How we leave this world, how we take care of the body is not going to determine our eternal destiny, but it does say a lot about our own spiritual thinking and whether we're going to do things in the pattern of the Bible or whether we're going to do things for cost and convenience in this present corrupt culture. 
all to say, Paul was saying to these who had lost loved ones, the body's important, and that's what the resurrection's about. The resurrection, Anastasia in the Greek text, means to stand again. That's a physical term, not a spiritual term. There's no such thing as soul or spirit sleep. There's no such thing as soul or spirit resurrection. That's a bodily term, just like sleep. And so you're going to stand again one day. Those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will be caught up. That's the word in Greek, harpazo, but it is the Latin word when Jerome translated the Hebrew scriptures into Latin, the language of the day, then he translated this raptus. That means to snatch away. You see, the rapture is a movement of earth toward heaven. It's not the second coming of Jesus to earth after seven years of tribulation upon the earth. No, and he'll set up his kingdom. That's going to happen. But that is a movement of heaven toward earth. That's when Jesus actually comes to earth. And according to the prophet Zechariah, his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. And he'll set up his kingdom and rule here on this earth physically, spiritually, every other way. He will rule for a thousand years, according to Revelation chapter 20. And you and I will rule with him. That's for another day. But let's get back to the rapture. The rapture is the snatching away of the saints. It is the taking away of the saints. And that's the resurrection from the dead. That is a movement again of earth toward heaven when we meet Jesus in the clouds and he takes us home. The Bible says we meet him in the air. The word meet there is is a word which literally is used for uh, dignitary the ruler of a city, knowing foreigners are coming who do not know the city. A delegation is sent out to them in the ancient world outside the city to meet them, these strangers and these foreigners who have never been to the city, to bring them in and to come in with the king, with the ruler, so that they would have a place of honor and people would treat them as family and as citizens. That's the word to meet them in the air. And so the rapture is a movement of earth toward heaven, and it happens before the great tribulation period. And so there's great and wonderful men who disagree on that. And some say, well, no, it's going to happen after the tribulation. There's not many mid-tribulationists among us uh, because there's just really too many difficulties with it. But many of the men that I've studied under and love and honor, they believe that that the rapture that uh, that Paul's talking about takes place after the tribulation. I believe they're very sincere in what they believe, and I believe they're very sincerely wrong. That's between them and the Lord. I love them, and they are dear brothers and sisters, and that's okay. You see, we can disagree in the family of God and still love one another and cherish one another and honor one another. Let's not act like the world and try to cancel people out and ruin their reputation over something like the rapture? Lord, have mercy on us. We've got to get over this arguing and fussing and splitting and tearing up over things that are not cardinal doctrines. Yes, it's important when Jesus comes after us, but there are some passages that would lead us to believe that it's after. Some uh, would lead us to believe it's midway, some before. I believe that there are clear teachings that it's before, but I have other men that, based on their interpretation, 
interpretation, their hermeneutic and method of discovery, they find it at a different time. Well, that's okay. I am preparing at any moment for the Lord to come. I believe that promotes godliness. And after all, I'm talking now in the podcast about things that promote godliness and and rituals and attitudes that routines that lead to godliness and discipleship and Christian growth. Well, let me tell you, if you believe Jesus can come at any moment and not after three and a half years into the tribulation or seven years after the tribulation or after the man of sin has been revealed three and a half years, whatever the case is, if we believe in the imminency of the return of Jesus, then uh, it'll change the way we live. Some of you know I was um, one of the early interns for W.A. Criswell and was blessed in every way, but I had uh, several meals with Dr. Criswell and I noticed something very early on. He ate his dessert first. Boy, that's a great practice. I mean, if he was going to eat dessert, he would eat it first. And those of you who knew him know I'm telling you the truth. And I asked him one day because, you know, nobody was asking and I felt close enough. I said, Dr. Criswell, actually, I said, Pastor, why do you eat your dessert first? He said, oh, lad. He said, I believe what I preach. He said, I believe in the imminency of the return of Jesus for his own. And so he said, I always eat my dessert because Jesus could come at any moment. And I want to make sure I get to eat this wonderful dessert that's been placed before me. Now you say, well, that's an elaborate answer. Well, he was an elaborate man at times and he really meant what he said. And he, and that's what he did. And whether it's right or wrong and whether it was good or bad, I'll tell you, he did it. And uh, he kind of threw a craving on me to eat mine first as well. But what I'm telling you is, I believe that the scripture clearly teaches there will be a rapture, a snatching away of the saints. If First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, then chapter 5 is accurate, I believe it'll be before the tribulation. Now you say, well, why didn't, if that's so important, why didn't Jesus talk about that? Well, Jesus didn't talk about a lot of the things that are articulated by the Apostle Paul and the other apostles in the epistles. That's a mouthful, the apostles in the epistles. And so the Apostle Paul, for instance, the Apostle to specifically the Gentiles, to him was revealed many of the great mysteries, the mystery of godliness that Paul talked with Timothy about, what I call the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the rapture, the very thing that Paul talked about to the church at Thessaloniki, he talked about again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is the longest chapter on the resurrection in the Bible. And here's what he said. Starts at about 1 Corinthians 15:50, when he said, Brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, we can't go to heaven like this. But he said, There's coming a day when this, and I believe that's the rapture of the church, as you'll see in just a second. This corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And here's what he said: Behold, I show you a mystery, we'll not all die. It's a point unto man wants to die and then the judgment. But he said, not everybody's going to die, but we all have to be changed. We can't go to heaven like this in our fleshly bodies, but we are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And he talks about the same kind of thing that he did to the church at Thessaloniki in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And he said it was a mysterion, something that was hidden in the heart of God and is now being revealed through the apostle Paul. You see, Jesus talked about things in shadows many times, in metaphor, uh, the mystery of the kingdom. 
But he didn't talk about the rapture. Why well, wasn't time to talk about it? As a matter of fact, there's still some things right now in this age, in 2021, that we don't know that's a mystery yet to be revealed, according to the book of Daniel, according to the book of Revelation. And even the Antichrist, the lawless one, is a mystery that is even now working. It was during the days of the Apostle Paul. So what I'm saying is the fact that Jesus didn't talk about it, that shouldn't steer anyone away from the rapture of the church. You see, there's a time for everything. And think about it. If you want to go and look at something that has to do with the hymnology of Israel, why well, you wouldn't go to Genesis. You'd go to the book of Psalms. If you wanted to look at origins and the origins of the earth and the universe and time and everything else, then you'd go to the book of Genesis. If you wanted to learn about the Exodus, you'd go to the Exodus uh, and the story of the Exodus. If you wanted to learn about the chronology of the ancient kings, you would go to Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. If you wanted to study about the church, you would go to 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus. If you wanted to learn the history of the early church and its infancy and its developments, you would go to the book of Acts. Well, if you're going to study the Gospels, you're studying there the life and birth and death and resurrection of Jesus. But if you want to study about prophecy, you're going to have to find that in the epistles and specifically in the book of Revelation. And so the rapture, it was a mystery. It was hidden. And Jesus didn't reveal it. There's a lot of things he didn't reveal but are articulated in the epistles. And the rapture is one of those. So when you read some of the things about what Jesus said about the days of his coming, sometimes he's talking about the rapture. Sometimes he's talking about his return to earth. You say, well, that's confusing. No, it's not. You just have to read all of the Bible and not just the Gospels. Because for some of you, I'm about to shock you, but let me just say to you, the things that are written with red ink weren't originally written with red ink. That's a Western thing, a publishing thing. But the words of Jesus are no more inspired than the words of Paul, no more inspired than the words of David. If indeed the Bible is right, when all Scripture, every Scripture, each Scripture is given by inspiration of God and every jot and every tittle is going to be fulfilled, then everything that's written in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets is just as much inspired as anything that Jesus said or anything that the Apostle Paul said. Because why? The same Spirit inspired it all. Jesus said, I don't speak anything of my own. I don't speak anything or do anything of my own, but only what the Spirit speaks to me and what the Father tells me to do. You see... This thing of the rapture was a mystery, but it's not a mystery anymore. Jesus is coming, and he could come at any moment. There's a lot more about the rapture, but you can listen to those messages that I'm preaching on Bible time. You can see it every Sunday morning on DirecTV, the NRB channel, National Religious Broadcasters in the East. It is at 830, uh, 7.30 Central Time, and uh, you can look on your listings and find where it is. You can go to my website, TonyCrisp.org, and as they're preached, those messages on the rapture and the mysteries of the kingdom, they're there, and you can listen to them. Just go to TonyCrisp.org, go to the menu, and listen to broadcast, or you can listen to these podcasts. And thank you for tuning in as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. 
Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.